They're all mm-hmm. a- we're all adult boys here in the woods, here in the Catskills. <laughs> he was an old man, about thirteen or fourteen or so. <laughs> Thanks for the opening. <laughs> So, just to level with you, this is a comedy podcast, but... In case all the swears and less-than-healthy coping mechanisms aren't clear enough, this show isn't for kids. Listener discretion is advised. Alright, that all said, on with the show. Hi, and welcome to Lit Kid Lit, where we read about a burnout shelter while doing a little bit of burning out of our own. We're doing another one of our one-off episodes today, and this time it's about My Side of the Mountain, a book that I read a lot when I was a kid growing up in rural Connecticut, and it basically encapsulated all of my hopes and dreams. My name is Nika. We're going to go down this rabbit hole of my entire who I am as a person, and this is... Kara, and I read this this morning. And uh, yeah, you know what? It tracks. It tracks. Nika tracks. It all it all comes together. It's literally it's the thing is, it's a one piece puzzle with Nika. (laughs) Like there's not there's no surprise here. The opening thing is like, I wanted to live in the woods and I didn't like living in New York anymore. So I did. And that's Nika. That's how it that's how it goes. That's essentially how you spent your summers for I don't know how long, 10 years, something like that. About 10 years. Yeah. About 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. It. Uh, so this is a relatively short read. It's a little bit under 200 pages, but it's very big font, like really s- simple. Uh, it's by Jean Craighead George, who was uh, one of my favorite authors. She also wrote Julia of the Wolves, um, a smattering of other stuff that we'll link to. I don't know um, her. I don't know that bitch. I've never seen her before in my life. You know what she did write? <laughs> this is a manual for children to die of exposure. <laughs> they are... Look. She did many things. There's a lot of neat things here. Also, don't tell children to, to live out in the cat skills all winter. Probably. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, though, like, I'm obviously on the opposite side of this because I read this book before I went and started finding ways mm-hmm. to live in the woods. The Whenever we read this in school, too, like, I would book report it. It was definitely this kind of thing of, like, obviously talk to your parents, but obviously this is a way to stoke that natural, like enjoyment in in people is to to be like there's so many look look at how delicious everything sounds and and encourage that exploration in a society but also preemptively this was written this was published in 1959 this is like like way before anybody worried about what the fuck their kids were doing outside like nobody gave a shit like your children just ran away for fun back then yes the opening thing is like I remember running away for an afternoon and wanting to live in the woods, and my daughter did the same thing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Instead of being like, why does your child want to run away? Why? Yeah. Why? I mean, I also yeah. wanted to run away out of I did frustration. Run away for a yeah. day, again, also. Oh, yeah. That thing. We're... Well, if being gone I... for a day counts as running away. <laughs> but, so yeah, basically, some summary of this is, this is a book about, uh, supposedly a 12-year-old boy named Sam Gribbley who gets tired of living in New York City with his uh, eight other siblings and then his mom and dad 
and he packs up all of his stuff. He's got $40 flint and steel, and he just goes to the woods. And this is his adventure his in the dad, woods. His dad's like, have a good time. Cool. Uh, if yeah. you're not back by Christmas, I'll come see you. I'll come find yep. you. And yep. uh, also this whole, the whole dynamic of the family is super interesting and funny to me because the dad is very much like, we don't, we don't belong on land. I'm a sea man. Yeah. I live in the sea. I live in the sea. I'm the harbor man. I, I always want to, you know, do, do the sea stuff because my grandfather couldn't do the land stuff either. So good luck, kid. You'll need it. And truly, times have changed because I cannot believe that genuinely the, the entire premise of this book is 12-year-old says, peace, and walks <laughs> out the door. And everyone's just okay with that. Like, yeah. different time. But fucking shit was wild back then. This was coming out like they... They make it a point to mention there's a couple of things that date this book really well, and it's all dimensions of post-war stuff mm-hmm. and uh, nuclear development as well. Like, genuinely a sentence that this kid says is, hey, bombs drop on us, we gotta know how to live. Like, he yep. just says that's just a throwaway line, and I'm like, wow, it was definitely 1959 when this was written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, the way they talk about news and the way things are done... I mean, it's very clear and obvious to tell that, like, there was no, like, mass news in the same way. There was news reels. Anytime he runs into people, they give him a lowdown of the the things that have been happening in the news for a while, which is so interesting. Because even if you met someone that you knew was gone for several months, you aren't, like... I don't think anyone in the modern day would be like, so uh, let's talk about the last three months of news. You hear about the election? You know? Yeah. Who who does that? We all are so miserable in trying to avoid looking at that at any point in time. And we have been for yeah. uh, 30 years. Yeah. That we'd rather talk about anything else. What would they talk about the fucking what is what is the thing? They'd be like, you seen Queen's Gambit yet? To someone who yeah. has lived in the woods for fucking eight months that yeah. they've come upon. Oh, you seen Mandalorian season two? Aw, oh, fuck. Grogu? Grogu? <laughs> Grogu? Grogu, my dude. Grogu. God. Yeah, I mean, that's, t- to be to be quite frank, though, that is what we would do. Uh, so some background for me here is I spent a decade of my life spending my summers living primitively off the land as much as I could, uh, as much as you could as a child, and I obviously got better as time went on. Um, I did this thing called the Children of the Earth Foundation, part of the Tracker School. And I remember when I'd come back from my, uh, there were definitely some summers where I went as cold turkey as I could regarding socialization and, and media and phones. And it was basically just like, I would call my mom once a month, if that, and it was just phone away. And then as I got older and responsibilities dogged me and I had to be able to keep track of like, what's Nordstrom doing? Because I was working every other mm-hmm. week as well. It was fucking wild. I like that connection. This book is a lot for me because it's I wish I wish I could do this. I want to do this. This is my ideal life. It is. If I read this as a child, I would have also very much. I mean, I liked other things in similar veins. We both did the thing of play where we would forage and pretend to be making a homestead in some capacity. That was what I did. And the the bread and butter of like having those adventures and thoughts for me was 
having an animal companion. Like, I would always have my dogs or whoever's dogs were, like, around in the area would come and hang out with me while I was playing this game. Or, you know, whatever. Who doesn't imagine having a fucking falcon to hunt for them? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of other uh, books by this author, like the book I've mentioned to you a couple of times, There's an Owl in the Shower. She wrote that. She comes from a very strong uh, naturalist family. And so a lot of her other books touch on what animal conservation is and Mm -hmm. what like the owl in the shower is specifically all about endangered spotted owls Mm. and what her family, the steps her family took to like kind of Oh, I mean, Help we don't one. need to. We could get into this. I read, I read the preview at the end of this book for the sequel. Oh, and yeah, like, that came out oh, in like nineteen ninety or whatever. Yeah, holy far shit! Far side of the mountain is a lot. Is a lot. I Just mean, far side of the mountain is crazy. It's crazy. And then Frightful's Mountain came out, and I, I won that book, the third book in this series. Uh, I was at a library, a public library with my sister, and there was like a falconer who was showing off all of the different mm-hmm. animals that she had brought with her because there was a raccoon and also they had like a nice calm little porcupine. And then there was a falcon, of course, and some owls. And I entered a raffle and I won Frightful's Mountain. It's the Aww. only like lottery thing I ever won. Aww. But I was like nine, uh, 10 years old or something like that. And it was just so, I, ah, oh, God. But Okay, so book. Sam Gribley runs away from home, goes to find his great grandfather's old cabin in the Catskill Mountains. And I will say this. Oh, go ahead. Like, bitch about New England and about the East Coast not having mountains as much as you want, but the Catskills will kill you if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, like the Catskill Mountains are yeah, they're no Rockies. I've had to hear this my whole life of like fucking Colorado visitors come over to ski on the easy slopes and it's just like yeah we get it we have a lower (laughs) elevation but you'll still die if you wander onto the app trail and fucking whatever the Appalachians are not to be trifled with either okay that's just this is me defending my fucking (laughs) please it happens so often the Colorado ski douche fuck yeah well because then you'd also get the rich new englanders being like no i want to hit some actual slopes we're going to colorado for december and i'm like "Uh, shut up kyle like i don't Mm -hmm. care Mm -hmm. Uh, all i know about the cat skills is that's where dirty dancing takes place thank you very much you're valid and i support you in this thank you thank you thank you (laughs) look i learned a lot of things Anyway, love. Okay, so Sam tries to figure out basically the the there's a sort of in meter res opening where it he's trying to survive oh, yeah. during the snowstorm. Tarantino All of the inside yeah. of his inside of his little rabbit from House on Pooh Corner Hutch. Yep, he's got what is it? Fearful? I can't. Her er, name is Frightful. Frightful. I literally mm. have been thinking about Frightful all morning, and I keep saying different names about her just because it's You're such fine. a Frightful. Frightful. Yeah. Frightful. Frightful the Falcon. Frightful's there. Immediately yep. throwing me off. Because, I don't know, man, you're keeping that hawk in a cave. You're snowed in with a hawk. That sounds like an incredible, and yet... I want to see David Lynch's My Side of the Mountain. Oh, God, I don't. I'd like to keep my childhood hopes and dreams <laughs> intact. Jesus. But the conversation between Sam and Frightful during the the bleak... During the end is a lot. No, this kid loses his mind, and that's fine, and we'll get to that. But so he, yeah, he he kind of describes that he's 
doing his best. And every description, the descriptions in this book are immaculate. And the descriptions of the food that he makes are also Mm -hmm. just so mouthwateringly good. And I will attest to this is that a big thing that you learn and the way that this book demonstrates is really accurate to survival. When you start out, you're going to be eating like shit. But by the time you kind of settle... And you develop a a sort of cycle of trapping Mm. and hunting and knowing how to not overuse any one area of the land. You can have a fucking smorgasbord. It's incredible. It's delicious. You can have, you know, your blueberry jams and acorn pancakes and Mm -hmm. some like ground uh, cooked like vegetables that you cook near the fire. It's great. I love it. I love every aspect of survival and uh but it started that after the snowstorm thing it's just kid can't even make fire with flint and steel has yep. no idea what he's doing can't eat fish fucking very terrified very scared and manages to eventually meet like some random dude just some in the, oh, by the way he's also hitchhiking his way out to the yeah, catskills yeah. just like a 12 year old hitchhiking to the middle of nowhere and being like let me out here please yeah. Right at this, this That's mountain. Terrifying. Could not happen today. Would should not happen today. It's also not that the amount people like, got worse. It's just that we got better at defending our children, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. This is also Holiday the realm comedy. of fiction, so hopefully yeah. this wasn't happening too much in real life. But Hitchin was such a thing. Hitchin was. was a thing. Oh, you know what's funny? My dad told me a, a sort of story where when he was 16 during summer vacation or whatever, he decided to just bike all the way down the coast and, like, live somewhere else to just leave home. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he hitched part of the way. He got, like, I think, like, a few hundred miles away and then was like, ah, fuck. Well, shit. Shit, shit, shit. Shit, shit, shit. And uh, I think he had to be picked up or something like that. Or maybe he found someone who was literally going to the same town. He lucked out. But people just hitched. How different was shit? I don't know. I, I, that was just I think part of the there's a lot of like mindset. It's sometimes fine, but there's a lot of luck involved too. It's a lot of luck. So he does manage to a lot of the opening bits of this book as we go on oh, I are love, he like goes to the fucking he goes to the library, right? Like mm-hmm. that goes to the library, reads up, makes a friend. Uh, the librarian is the only one who, like, believes him. Everyone he talks to, including this dude, uh, is like, uh, yeah, we'll see you in a week, his father's like, yeah, if you, yeah. you know, whatever. Although his father does say, if you if you aren't back by, uh, in a week or whatever, I'll visit you at Christmas. That's about it. Yeah. Which is wild. Which is wild. But yeah, pretty much everybody else is just like, sure, kid, you'll go live in the woods on your own. And... Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he goes to the library, he finds an old map of where this Gribbly farmhouse used to be. This librarian, like you said, she believes him. She actually says, okay, well, let me help you. I'm not going to send you out there alone. Um, And I got to say, all the illustrations in this book, all of the survival methods he employs, tried and true, actually are it. Actually are it. With how much misinformation is in the world, with how uh, stupidly fucking like weirdly televised survival is with the fucking with the fact that survivor and bear grills and shit like that mm-hmm. exists mm-hmm. the illustrations in this book are accurate if you're gonna survive 
That is how you make a hook. That is how mm-hmm. you make a debris shelter. These are actual things. When when he says, like, hey, there's an entire page devoted to don't eat wild mushrooms. I did because I this is a book, but don't eat wild mushrooms. Even the mushroom guy I talked to said don't eat wild mushrooms. Yeah, he says that, and then he's like, I still expected to die, but then I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so then I only ate those ever, and I'm like, oh, buckaroo. Oh, buddy. But I, that's how I felt when I did that exact same thing yeah and and i took three mycology courses like it's that's your that's just how eating mushrooms is always gonna go it's just i could die we all know mm-hmm. we'll know in a day um, i mean even like yeah what i, I love the detail in this stuff because i don't know nothing i don't mm, camping not for me um an indoor sort i'm i'm called but uh <laughs> <laughs> the detail of like I made my debris shelter and it would have been fine, but I was literally on the wrong side of the rock and the wind coming off of the lake just consistently hit me and I was freezing immediately and I didn't do it right. Yep. And I keep fucking everything up. Sam just consistently mentions, I screwed up and then I did the wrong thing again. He listened to me yep. do the wrong thing and be so hungry. Yeah. Uh, when he runs into this random guy who's just like, he walk, comes across this dude's cabin, he basically just says, hey, can I cook my fish here? Because I haven't eaten in years. Like, like mm-hmm. he is so fucking hungry. He's just like, I haven't eaten in years and I'm dying after one night of not eating. But these mistakes that this kid makes are so genuinely true and good. Uh, I didn't learn how to not build my debris shelter in a floodplain until I built my debris shelter in a floodplain and then it rained and the river flooded and I almost drowned in my sleep. And then I learned not to do that. And that's what survival is, is fucking up 99 times just to get it right on the last hundredth time of like, oh, I've done it. Finally, we figured this bit out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. he he finally finds his great grandfather's boundary fence. And after all of these lessons and failures and all of this loneliness and these basic simple skills that he keeps fucking up, he just goes and goes and keeps going in this doggedly persevering way until he finds these massive trees and what remains of his family's farm. He gets information from the librarian about where his family's farm is, right? He finds mm-hmm. the the bare-ass foundations just collapsed. Just yeah. some stones and, like, a divot where the basement has caved in. So is it, yeah. you know... And he's like, oh, cool, found it. Guess this is technically my property. Neat, neat. <laughs> uh, guess I'll find somewhere to live now. And he, he moves on and he finds his tree, the the big tree. Mm-hmm. He starts collecting plants and eating ferns and shit. And uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> finds the, the, what is it, the hemlock grove? Yep, the hemlock grove. Um, also, quick aside here. This book was written a long time ago. It uses the word Indians a lot. Yes. Uh, a lot, a lot. And that's another one of the things that just dates it incredibly is you're like, woof, a doofa. Yeah. Mm. All right. Native Americans, please. And thank you. Wild. But similarly, yeah, like he eats these he's the little fiddleheads. He finds this hemlock tree. And the method that he uses is genuinely tried and true. I know a dude that made a dugout canoe and went up and down the entire length of the Connecticut River. Wow. The entire fucking thing. Uh, he wrote a book about it. It's called An Ant's Journey or something like that. Um, so what hmm. Sam does is he gets all the rot out of the inside of this like cavity in this tree. Mm-hmm. And then he creates, he just keeps burning a little fire in it. It 
I like this book and I love children's books for this is that it doesn't spend too much time on time. When something mm-hmm. takes days and days, they just say it takes days and days yeah. and then they move on to when it's done instead of like necessarily it's not very just expanding on the toil, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot of I feel like <laughs> maybe this is just, you know, grapes of wrath, bitterness mm-hmm. because that feels like what that dude loved to do was just pontificate on a metaphor of for toil God, yeah. and suffering. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, feels like we don't really get that. It's just like, this is what I did primarily for two weeks. You know what it reminds yep. me of? I'm an indoor I'm an indoor kid, but I do and have played a lot of Harvest Moon. And it is just yeah. working on one thing for a very long period of time and then moving yeah. on to the next expansive thing while doing your dailies. <sighs> Yes. And I got it. Here's the thing. That is just what survival is. I worked Mm -hmm. on a bow for two months because it was my first bow. Mm -hmm. Every day I would wake up, eat, and then work. And I fucked up so many bows and I just would toil and toil. But there was such satisfaction in working on this one thing, working on a hide, Mm -hmm. working on a a pair of moccasins, knowing that you you fucked up the first pair. And now you're like, how can I use these scraps and make them go to something so I don't waste shit? But yeah, it's that it's the it's the joy of that. Not necessarily monotony, because monotony kind of implies like a dullness almost. But in doing the same thing until you get to the the, the end of this project, routine, a pleasurable routine yeah. of just steady progress, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, after a little while, he runs into this fucking. Apparently, she's ninety-seven, a ninety-seven-year-old grandmother. Yeah. He goes to he he's trying to go pick some food, and this old woman is gathering strawberries. Uh, what she assumes are wild strawberries, and he's like. My strawberries, actually. God damn it. And he just helps her pick them and walks her down. This old woman just gets him, like, immediately doing anything that she says, which I think is incredible and very cute that he just is like, yeah, okay. Oh, we're, oh you want me to take you home? Uh, okay. All yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, he's just this very, like, kind of demure little kid of just like, oh, my God, she's kind of harsh, and she's just commanding me to do things, and I guess I'll do them now. It's very cute. I, yeah, okay. Mrs. Thomas Fielder, 97. Mrs. Fielder. God. Mrs. Fielder. Bless her heart. 97-year-old woman climbs the mountain to go pick her fucking strawberries. Mm-hmm. And, but one of the things that she says to him is that a boy of his age should be doing something worthwhile instead of playing with sticks. And I remember this was, that was one of the bits in when I was a kid growing up, but I was like, man, I hate that. Like it made me like, I remember hissing at this bit basically of just Mm. like, how dare you? The outdoors is worthwhile. Simply surviving is okay. Like it's not lazy to just fucking take a siesta after you've worked all morning crunching down acorns into a flower Mm -hmm. that's not a waste of time this entire book is just a commentary on like is society that good really we do need companionship (laughs) shit he does (laughs) even when she shows up he's like wait say one word at a time until i get used to human voices or whatever Mm -hmm. which is very like i feel like that's true because when you haven't talked to people for a while and you start a conversation your brain takes 
a good minute to catch up to speed and be able to participate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is also like he's been gone like a week at this point. Like he ain't been gone that long. He's definitely 12 and playing it up and being like, "Mm, yeah, ah, lonesome wild, which is great because later on he's like, I heard a lot about like people losing their minds, read a lot about the lonely farmer and the lonely woodsman Mm -hmm. and whatever. And uh, I was expecting some kind of cabin madness. Uh, Didn't really strike me, but I am thinking about (laughs) the one story I heard three months ago an awful lot. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this kid coming into his own of being like, oh, this is what they meant is very well done. I think uh, it's very cu- I think it's it's cute and, and clear to tell, like, what he says is happening. He's like, mm, sure thinking about Bando. Anyway, let's get back to the thing, because after yeah. he helps her, that's when that's when uh, he finds the king's provider. The king's provider, this chapter is called. The yep. king's falcon. <laughs> Falcons are the pride of kings. The pride uh, of kings. Preemptive to everybody ever. Don't do this. Yes, Not that you're considering don't. it. But I did when I was a kid, right? This was my dream. After reading this, I was like, I'm going to go find a baby imprint it to me. A baby bird. Let me put that one in there. I'm going to mm-hmm. find a baby bird imprint it to me and then have a best friend for life. Is for One, not that easy. Have worked with baby birds. Uh, God. You thought you needed, you thought human babies are bad and that you can't sleep every two hours, yeah, no, baby. You're never scream. sleeping. Yeah. The no. worst screeching. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just, that's just birds. But yeah, he finds uh, a beautiful specimen of a female um, peregrine falcon. Yeah. He flying like, around. he sees the, he sees one flying around and he's like, oh, hell yeah. I'm going to get me a hawk. Like, it's immediately. He goes to the library, does some light reading, does his research. I appreciate that. Love someone who does the Mm -hmm. research. And uh, the librarian's like, "Mm, let me give you a shitty haircut real quick. Because uh, I know you're living out in the wilderness, but this is the 50s. And that shoulder length is not going to (laughs) fly. Yeah. So a nice little aside. And he's like, I feel like he talks about the human connection of that quite a bit, too. I I do feel like the perspective on society in this book is framed so much by his human interactions. Like that's, there's so much about his process, about Sam's process, surviving and planning and creating things and how his mind works. And then there's all of the in, like really personable interactions and the interactions he builds with the animals too. Like this they're all. This book could have been super misanthropic and it's not. It's not at it all. It is. It is so beautiful. It's about that exact thing, that beauty of connection with things and with the Mm -hmm. people around you and how they influence you. Because like, yeah, her just being like, let's cut your hair. And he's like, I don't have any money. And she's she sits him down with some library scissors. He says, what are those? Just regular scissors, I guess. Uh, Just paper scissors. (laughs) Library scissors. Yeah. 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 They cut libraries. yeah, you know, the special scissors you get at libraries. You know what I honestly imagined, which is not the same thing, but I thought, that, like, when I was reading this as a kid, I just thought, like, the embroidery scissors, those weird handle, like, the kind of oh, the almost teeny, decorative. The teeny yeah. baby ones that are just That's for what threads. I was imagining. Yeah. Or, I was that like, would be well, a nightmare. I, They're, like, an inch long. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, my brain just goes to, like, the scissors that you would get in school with, like, the thick-ass plastic handle, and then there's, like, oh, marker stains God. on them and, like, probably yeah. a bit of cramp. 
the yeah. edge isn't that sharp anymore, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Maybe there's it's a take fine. tag. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Like, misses whatever on the end, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so he, he gets that haircut. He manages to meander his way back up to his, and he takes his time. That's what I love is he's like, I'm not going to make it back to the tree tonight. But he specifically, there's a, I really enjoy this. And this is genuinely how it should be when you're in the woods, uh, is a home is just a pleasant habit. And this tree is just this pleasant habit that he gets into the mindset of. Mm -hmm. But his home is wherever he is, wherever he goes, because he can survive anywhere. That, this, that feeling was the exact feeling I was looking for my whole life until I got to Kotef and learned how to subsist. And now it's that comfort of knowing wherever I am, Mm -hmm. I can be okay. And that I carry that independence with me. And I, I love that, that he takes his time. He takes two days to get back to his treats, whatever. And that's how he stumbles across this, uh, this peregrine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love every description of Frightful in this book so much. It it's is very, written with it's so, so much love. Loving. Yeah, it's loving. This, the amount of like bird adoration in this book is a lot. Once again, this is... I'm making yeah. a face. Yeah. <laughs> this is how Nika... This is what Nika does. This is how Nika do. <laughs> f- I love so much. It's Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's... Look, it's fun. It's good. I don't need to hear that much about chickadees. I got other things on my plate than, than hearing about the entire fucking apartment complex of chickadees. I love The gossip them. mongering. That's so good. Oh, God. For me, that's like, that's, oh, that's my life. That's, that's my joy. I love it. I love being able to, I'll just sit with my kitten for a while Mm. now and just look out the window in the morning when he starts watching the birds at the feeder and just watch the literal haha pecking order of these Mm -hmm. things as they determine where they're going, who's going next, the little squabbles that they have. There's a an exercise that we did every day called a sit spot. It's just a morning meditation. And you just sit in the same spot every day. And when I did that over the course of summers, I would get squirrels that were my friends. And I mm-hmm. would have morning doves that would sit mm-hmm. close enough to me, even though they're so skittish. You learn to identify and recognize every single creature that shares that space with you. And it's so beautiful. I love it very much. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm like, yeah, I also had my own like tree full of chickadees or... <laughs> All this shit. But uh, specifically, I love how he describes Frightful with a fake word that I fell in love with and I can't believe I forgot. But he calls her Strubly. Yeah, Strubly. Strubly. Like twice in in one go. You know? Yeah. We've got a white Strubly head and some Strubly feathers. And I was like, that is the exact word for baby baby birds of prey. That's it. They look Strubly. The the oh, illustrations of fucking of frightful too is they are so good. The baby frightfuls, the expression yeah. on them. Ugh. Yeah. She has so much that's going on in that dumb little head. She's just that's that's baby. She's just Those stupid wings. baby birds. Yeah. Just this little dumb chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. Her so much. Oh, and he, he gets this bird after being mobbed by the, the mom. Uh, Falcon. He has such a vocabulary. It's like, oh, frightful. You are a raving beauty. Like, Mm -hmm. pardon me. Who, what 12 year old boy is saying things like that? Does he like, like to lean against a well? 
You know, does he like to? I mean, I was saying shit like that when I was. Does he like overcast days a little too much? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. This fucking kid. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, yeah. When he gets this, when he gets her down from the tree, he sticks his nose in her fuzz, and it smells dusty and sweet. And he lets like how he falls in love with her right away. Mm -hmm. And he often describes that bird smell. And I owned a chicken when I was young, and I know that smell very, very well. Just this warm dusty earthy smell of just warm feathers it's i could still i smell it to this day her fern like eyelashes my god every description is incredible (laughs) anyway this is the first time someone comes after him yeah a dude he's like he and it's on his way back with frightful uh Mm -hmm. and he goes back to his tree and uh it's covered people haven't the guy is just like sleeping Next to the fire or whatever, right? Like, because it was yeah. a fire marshal who just decides to stay there? Or does yeah. he... It, right? Was that the one? Or was it... Um... Yeah. No, the fire marshal's the first one. And because uh, there were hikers in the area that he, he's been starting to hear people encroaching in more mm-hmm. and more. But the fire marshal is near his tree. He's not at his tree, but he's near it. And then he realizes that burning out the tree must have created enough smoke that mm-hmm. the fire marshal knew. And so he was there and he's like, guess I'm going to camp down here. Yeah. He's also like, he looks at the ground and he's like, um, yeah, there's like fire, there's campfire ash and like lots of, I've obviously been here. I need to make sure to leave a clean floor. Right? Yeah. He says, (laughs) I need to be cleaner. Like, this is gross. Which is just, I got a vacuum. (laughs) Yeah. The the thought of, "Mm, God, yeah, if anyone comes here, it is obvious that I've been hanging out around here. I need to make sure no one will know I'm there, even while I'm there. Which is yeah. such a thought. Such such a yeah. thought. Oh, that's All right, Sam. what we were trained to do. That's what I was yeah. trained to do. Well, I like, I, that, I like the concept of, the... of cleaning up, right? And, like, dispersing mm-hmm. your shit and, and leaving it as you find it. I yeah. do think when you're... Because, you know... <laughs> I do think... The intention of being like, no one should know. I should be able to not have anyone ever touch me or to speak to me again. Sam is truly on hermitage in a crazy way. Like, in an yeah. absurdly dedicated way early on here. He doesn't even want to, like, casually meet people in, in, in the woods. He doesn't want anyone yeah. to know about any of it. Not just because well, they'll immediate- send him home, but... But yeah. because, I guess I guess primarily because they'll send him home. But he's also immediately territorial, right? Like with mm-hmm. Mrs. Fielder, he's just like, no, these are my strawberries. You're in my space. Yeah. Like, even with the threat of being sent home as part of it, it's still just like, no, 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 no. You're in my space mm-hmm. now, which is very interesting. Uh, as much as he holds that like, oh, yeah, I can just sleep wherever a home is just a habit it's also like well you're very protective about this habit that you have <laughs> well i have put like mm, hundreds of hours into making this <laughs> structure and uh yeah. i have been keeping all of the food that i've been gathering for hours and hours here so i yeah. would not like to lose that please anyway yeah, yeah they, he camps out and then goes back and uh uh he makes two more friends he makes friends with the weasel the Baron. The fucking Baron. Which uh, makes friends is a strong fucking word because this weasel just wants to bite him. Just this hates Baron, him. And Baron wants hates him. him. Dead. <laughs> Baron hates him and is just like, I will hiss at you, but feed me. Yeah, I'll eat the food. Give me you some, give me, you dumb give me some fuck. fucking food. <laughs> yeah. Dumb bitch, Sam. 
who the fuck do you think you fucking are? Wish you were dead, bites your leg. Wish you were dead, tries to eat your face. It's mm-hmm. the Baron. Yeah, the Cute, Baron. Sam. Cute. Yeah. Sam, maybe you need companionship more than you thought mm-hmm. if you're enthralled with the Baron, who you know, later on, he's like, the Baron would kill Frightful if he could. Which is like, the one, why are you letting him near Frightful then? You god, god damn it, Sam? Why are you endorsing this? <laughs> the Baron is why a lot. Why are you I remember... enabling this behavior, Sam? But- Sam, you could just like kick him out, but he's not going to do that. And it's it's very silly because that's just how weasels are. I had a weasel share my rock wall sit spot for a summer. That fucking thing hated me. Yeah. It hated me. It was so mad. I like even if I tried to shift over a little bit, it'd be like, you're sitting on my rock. And I'm like, they're all rocks. And it's like, no, that's my all of them are my rock. This weasel yes. was they're fucking, territorial weasels are just like that. <laughs> they're just little shitty bastards. Oh, God. And then the other animal friend he makes is Jesse Coon James. Mm. Also not a fan of that name, but not a fan of that name. Suddenly, little baby Nico is like, oh, fuck, this is why you always thought about Jesse James, huh? I know. I thought about that, too. I'm like, I "Mm, forgot. Here you go. I forgot (laughs) entirely about him. (laughs) The, uh, the title of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, right? That yes, must ma'am. have spoken to you on a subconscious level. A subconscious level. Nico, and why did like, you decide to watch that movie? Just because of... A, a fat one... and friendly baby raccoon. Yeah. And I love how often he describes that, like, if a bigger raccoon comes by, this little guy is just like, oh, fuck. I'm oh, done. shit. You're good. I'm yeah, done. You, you got it, dude. He's just oh. this like fat little idiot. When when it gets to be winter, he's like got rolls of fat coming over his mm-hmm. shoulders. And I just imagine this dawdling little like stupid fat thing running around the campsite, and I love yeah. him so much. Yeah. Jesse James the raccoon is oh god. Yeah. Um, but so they introduce that. Also, the mm-hmm. raccoon is the one who is like. He's like, you know, I want him over with, like, belly scratches, belly and ear scratches, which raccoons are unusually docile, so I believe yeah. it. They're, they're, yeah. they're like, if squirrels weren't people aggressive, like, yeah. you know, essentially, they got no shame. That. Raccoons yeah. have no shame. Absolutely they have no, no shame. shame. They have weird little hands that can get into everything you have anyway, so they'd rather just ask nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they're if you're if you're not gonna give it to them nicely, then by God, they'll fight you. They'll about find it. a way, and that's yeah. The best thing to remember about the woods is that you are not better or smarter than it, no matter how much you think you are. Bears exist. Anyway, God, that was a meander. So after he makes these companionship animals, that's when we start getting into the, like we we have this entire backdrop of like, and here's the woods, and then in mm-hmm. the immediate contrast comes in of, and here's people. So one night he hears sirens. He makes a wild leap that there must be a prisoner, escaped outlaw, that is on the run. And then eventually he stumbles across a man that's just exhausted, passed out. And he makes himself... You know, right before this, there is one other situation with with, uh, man. Another run-in with man. And it's the Mm -hmm. poacher. There's a poacher who comes in, uh, he hears him rustling around the forest, and he's sitting up in the trees, like, hanging, I think he was training Frightful at the time. Yeah. And he looks, 
and he sees him fell a deer, but he sees the deer like fall over some rocks. So it's kind of in a hidden away place. And the guy just right. walks by it and he goes, hmm, that's nice. That's interesting. Throws some leaves on it and then takes the deer himself, which I think yeah. is fascinating because it is him using survival skills. Um, but the first deer he gets is is killed by someone else, and he is he poaches yeah. other deer later on from other people yeah. too. Oh yeah, he does that plenty, and yeah, well, it's it's very interesting because it's like yeah, he's just basically scavenging, which is valid of him. Mm-hmm. Like I get that, mm-hmm. but it is also very funny that he has this like sanctimonious attitude about it too. Yeah. Uh, there is definitely the way the poacher is written, and with as unreliable as a narrator uh, as Sam is, there is this thing where he's like, "Well, I'm gonna do it better," and it's like, mm-hmm. "Well, these people also need me to live, so that's a little bit unfair." Um, but it's true. Like Sam does make a hide cover for his door. He does go in. This is another one of those, and this takes days projects. Of, yeah. It genuinely does, because holy shit, it, he goes into how he makes the tannic acid to mm-hmm. tan a hide, which is, which super is really fascinating. cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's that poacher interaction, you're mm-hmm. right, before he before he interacts with uh, Bando. But he, after that, his next human interaction is he finds this guy asleep, just assumes he must be an outlaw on the run. Yeah, he... he... Heard sirens at the foot of the mountain and then was like, hmm, I've read books before. There's clearly a, an a, an escaped convict on the run. Apparently the only book he read is yeah. fucking Great Expectations, which explains his vocabulary as well. Truly. S- little yeah. Dickensian Sam. Yeah, that makes so much sense for just how he talks and, and views Ah, shit. but I'm not up to chimney. So perhaps there is some justice in the world. God. Uh, and uh, he ends up, like, for no... It's very interesting why he decides to, you know, interact with Bando. Like, he totally could have left. Mm-hmm. He totally could have just left him. But he decides to interact with him and says, Hey, like, let me make you some dinner. Let's hang out basically please please i am so fucking lonely please please let's hang out i am starved for companionship and connection and uh he calls him bando because he's just a bandit i guess and then bando names him thoreau yeah and it's very cute i really i dig it (laughs) it's a fun interaction between those two i do love bando i love the bando bando just decides to stay for the summer he's like "Mm, this is delicious my god you're your wonderful little treehouse and your your wonderful bed that you've made and all of these things and the falcon mm-hmm. that you've trained like he's immediately in love with the with the thing and he's like what do you think you know about me to call me bando and he's like you know you're like here for arsony or murder or something you know this guy's just like oh i'm a fucking english professor man i just got lost (laughs) i thought i thought i can make a a boy scouts were nearby that's it my bad yep he's just this chill dude he teaches him how to make slide whistles and he tries to play jazz on him yeah it's very cute so charming it's very cute he also makes a mean jam he just makes some good jams and gets a clay oven together and starts burning stuff like bando goes all in this he's like yeah fuck yeah hell yeah yeah." bando spends uh, the his summer vacation with him with sam and uh 
they build a raft together, they go fishing. I feel like he's having not only his Thoreau experience, but his, like, Tom Sawyer ex- experience, you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, Bando just gets to have a beautiful, creative time. Like, this would be, what an incredible thing. That is the true fantasy, is, like, falling asleep in the woods and then waking up and there's a whole little setup here and you're just free to, like, live yeah. off the land and eat delicious forest food. That is the dream, is just to wake up and all of a sudden all of the hard work is yeah. done and you can just participate <laughs> in the thing. Like, like, even I dream of that shit is like, boy, I'd love to just find a survival camp that someone's already done all the work for. Oh, you've already got your fucking rabbit runs and, and traps set mm-hmm. up and we're gonna definitely eat tonight? Awesome. <laughs> love that for us. Love love not having to worry about mouse stew. That's true. Yeah. So, uh they have this very cute... I love Bando. Me too! I love Bando! Bando is definitely... I remember, like, kind of crushing on Bando when I was younger. <laughs> oh, I can see that. And I still He's crush on Bando He's got really now. expressive eyebrows. They, he has such expressive there is eyebrows. so much description of how his eyebrows are, are moving around his face and uh, yeah. changing rapidly in response. Ugh. Yeah, and Bando leaves with the promise that he'll visit him for Christmas. Bando says, I'll be back for Christmas. I'll see you for Christmas. Yeah. And that's very sweet. And it's what Sam needs. Like, Sam is so, loves this, uh, loved the companionship of Bando with him. Yeah, yeah. Loved the companionship. There is, yeah. This Bando, this interaction with Bando is the first real showing of, like, hey, bud, you, you can't be alone. Yeah. Like, you're even projecting onto every other animal in your vicinity, my dude. Like, you yeah. can't be alone. He, so, summer goes, he comes and goes, he gets more deer, he steals more deer from hunters and poachers, and the hunting season is actually, like, a very tense, terrifying chapter, yeah. because he hides out a lot, because it's just gunshots all the time. It's like, if he sends, if he sends Frightful up, who knows what'll happen, right? There's, yeah. Yeah. And he even talks about, like, yeah, I'm wearing dirty, stained shirt and at at that point did he make his own pants he's been making all sorts of things he's like i'm wearing deer skin pant deer the thing that they are trying to kill right now and uh a dirty brown sweater and any sudden movements i made make who knows if they if they shoot me or not so yeah there's a lot of him foraging rapidly and then hiding because yeah. also the squirrels are losing yeah. their fucking minds eating all the hickory nuts and whatnot. Yeah. Anytime he tries to store anything in his the storage tree that he has nearby, it's just all gonna get eaten too. He just knows that everything's just slowly fucking eating him. But he's been smoking a lot of the venison, smoking a lot of everything mm-hmm. that he can just to have the storage. Um, because more and more he keeps being like, oh fuck, winter, winter. is gonna winter. be happening soon. Shit is gonna be getting colder. But before we go into winter, the cutest, saddest thing is this fucking Halloween party. Oh my god, this Halloween party! (laughs) Sam! I want to hear your thoughts on this Halloween party so badly! I was like, this is a mistake. As soon as he started, he was like, let us throw a Halloween party, Frightful. Let us invite the local orphans, Frightful, and throw a Halloween party. Uh... And he, like, sets up, he thinks it's gonna be a fucking 70s 
card, like greeting card with cute little furries, like a shirt tails fucking card. And it is exactly. not. It is not. He leaves much food just around, and then all of these animals who decide that they would like much food show up. Raccoons are destroying his home. Yep. Mice have invaded fully. It's fine. Well, it's not. He spent so much time creating this, like, home and territory, and then he just invited everything in. And he in. just wanted a and show. And it's the equivalent he of him just- entertainment. Because all he did yeah. was stare out of his door- at the at the food to see who would come by, what new strange creatures yeah. would be by, the depths of your loneliness—it's baffling. It is so cute and so idealistic and and childish. He's like, mm, and my food descriptions have been like red wall. Perhaps my life can be like red wall. And then they just yeah. real raccoons come and fucking. They eat their fill, and then they just start throwing shit on the ground. Like, they just are there to fucking... They're just anarchists. My food descriptions have been like Redwall? Is that what you Do you not... You've read the Redwall books, right? I've read Redwall. That's just what I described food as. Brian Jacques has no chill when it comes to describing fucking food hedgehogs made. You know? Like, that's that's what he lives for. Rest in just, rest in power, Brian Jacques. Live your best life. Yeah, I guess you did. Live your best life. You did great. Oh man, I love that. This I, I didn't even make that connection, but you're so right. Like it is very Redwallian, but that's just, that's just that's just wilderness food, man. When fucking when you get into wilderness food, that's just what it. You just feel like a hedgehog because you're like, hmm, can't wait to have fucking hickory nuts and and acorns with everything. Yeah. <laughs> It's but, true. But like, uh, all of the food descriptions are wild. There's there's really good food descriptions, and even still, there are things where I'm like, mm, I am not, I am not interested in eating this at all. I would not want to. There's okay. a fair amount of. I'm into all of them, but the acorn pancakes miss me with those. Don't want them. I'm good. It's just flat acorn flour and water. Like there's not a single. It's it's just a powder patty that he that he's baked. Yeah, I, it's just sustenance. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That one that one's not for me. It's just it's just unappetizing Limbus bread. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically all it is because the acorns are are protein yeah. also. Yeah, they are. Um, but a lot of this stuff, there's a plant mm-hmm. called garlic mustard. Tastes like garlic and mustard. This kid goes on a journey to figure out you can make oh, I hickory loved salt that. I because thought that was hickory so bark has a little bit of saltiness. It's very, very cool. There's a lot. Basically, first, once you get over the survivalness, then you can get into the subsistence bit of, of survival shit. And yeah, when you start figuring out spices, you can start using mm-hmm. like sumac and salt what and all this other taste stuff. Like? And it's just very cool to see him. How would you describe him. sumac? Sour. Primarily, it's like a sort of, it's a sour, almost acidic bite. It's the equivalent of, of if you could throw lemon juice into something. Mm. Like, it's almost lemony. I've made sumac mm. lemonade. Um, so if you powder sumac, you can get a nice little, just a just a sour little, throw that onto something Ooh. very fatty, and it's just... Some... Yeah, yeah. Fucking roast of a rabbit with some sumac. Some good shit. Duck fat and sumac. Oh. But I, yeah, like going from, there's still moments of huge terror, right? Because when he first is working on trying, after, after, um, 
Bando leaves and he sets up this like he realizes he needs some heat. I mean, it's, it's hunting cold. season. He poaches he a almost... bunch more deer. He makes his own fucking jacket and like yeah. uh, little pocket gunny sacks, which I think is very him. The illustration yeah. of his outfit in the end where he's full moccasin, he's moccasined up, deer skin pants. Yep. Just the biggest fucking pockets. Just the. You need so many pockets yeah. in the woods. Hell yeah. yeah. Those are full ass pockets. Uh, but he almost, he and Frightful almost die of smoke inhalation. That's of, right. Of oxygen yeah. deprivation. Winter's starting to come. Uh, because he, yep, he makes a fire inside that the tree and he sees her eyes like glass over and she's trying to hide her head under her wing. And he realizes he can hardly breathe and move. And then he just like sleeps with the tent flap open that night because he's like fresh, cold, terrible air. I need oh, it. Yeah. I need that. Um there's so many moments of just sheer terror that are written really like jovially almost, and then you're just afterwards you're yeah. like, "That's fucked up." Hey, that's really he fucked died up. The poacher's bit, times. almost fucking yeah, suffocating. That's up. Yeah, the the snowstorm where he can't leave. He has to wake up every few hours to yep. kick the ice off of the deer flap, because the deerskin flap, because it's just a solid yep. caked ice because it's wet and he has to break it open. Otherwise he's yeah. stuck inside. And the, the most beautiful thing about that scene to me in the winter is he realizes the mouse that has been sharing mm-hmm. this area with him is also frozen inside its tunnel and he helps mm-hmm. chip it out so that mm-hmm. it can get out too. Yeah. Oh, human interaction is so much. Speaking of people human are beautiful. Isn't it before winter fully sets in? He just decides to go to town for no reason. He's like, I don't know. I'll go to the library. Yeah. Even it's Sunday and I know the library is closed. With fucking frightful on his shoulder. Yep. Just full this suit. Just full self-tanned hides. Deer skin outfit. And he just goes yep. to like a the fucking convenience store he just goes to a gas station and reads a magazine for a while and talks to a boy that he calls yep. jacket and thinks very thinks Mr. very jacket. fondly of uh that's i love all of his interactions because this book helped me keep a moral compass i guess when i was getting into my shit because very much it could have been like i am on the outside and i am living this pure better life mm, than the rest mm-hmm. of you right but instead, every time Sam goes into town, he's just like, there's just something so beautiful. Like, I, I want to talk to Mr. Jacket. I want to talk mm-hmm. to the librarian. I want to see what's going on around me mm-hmm. and with everybody. And it was definitely a very charming little interaction in the gas station of just, like, him basically being grilled. Every time he's like, where the fuck do you live? He's like, oh, you know, around. Like, I, live at like, the, I live at the farm. <laughs> I live at the, the grilled beef farm or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm living at the farm doing my thing. And it's very fun that all of these people, there's not that many cast of characters. There's like a total of eight or whatever, but everybody shows back up eventually. Um, And yeah, but yeah, he, as he's coming back, he's like talking to Frightful and he's like, you know, I'm not really sure why I need, needed that, but I think I just was lonely. I think I just wanted to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk to a person. And he often reflects on his time with Bando at, with this just, like, beautiful, yeah. uh, like, there's, nostalgia. There's, like, there's a genuine and very obvious desire for human connection 
and the connections he does make in this book are always super important. Otherwise, it would just be a list of how to fucking potent how how if you don't get lucky, you could die from exposure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would just be a how to if you're lucky mm-hmm. in the woods. But I think yeah, it's very. It's very clear, especially by the time you read the rest of, like, the whole book, you're like, oh, that's what this mm-hmm. book is about. <laughs> like, obviously, it's about yeah. this balance of of nature and, and civilization and what that means as a person in our world. And God, if this was something that we were talking about, what, how fucking long ago was 1960? Uh, 50 60. years? 60. 40 years? 60 years. Jesus. I'm going to drink about that. <laughs> 60 years ago fuck <sighs> okay that's fine that's fine we're fine here it's fine yeah uh time continues to happen it's fine yeah time time does continue to happen but that it was a it was an issue you know it was a concern then and it's a concern now and this is also why i hate a grizzly man because this motherfucker was dead set on thinking that people were not necessary to nature's survival but also to one's happiness with nature you can't just live Mm -hmm. you need people Mm -hmm. i need people this book was so important to me as this tiny misanthropic Mm -hmm. angry depressed child dealing with all this shit to be like connection is important and beautiful and you should foster Mm -hmm. that in everything whether it be animal or people because if you're just gonna go if you truly just want to go run away and live alone in the woods you're gonna be fucking miserable and die (laughs) Um, so Uh. during this, during when he starts getting snowed in and everything, and when he, uh, this is when he starts his, like, chickadee observation journal and, and discovers the hierarchy Mm -hmm. between all of these birds and any local visitors that come by. Uh, it's Christmas time and he gets really excited really early on and is like, plans out the menu that he's going to make for Bando, who's going to show up. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's like, oh, it's the day before Christmas and he's not even here. Right. And it, it, it is Christmas Eve when Bando finally shows up. And I think the same evening, isn't it? Yeah. Like the same day, his father comes in for a visit too. Yeah. And just screams up the mountain yeah. past the old farm. Yeah. Yeah, because he, yeah, he goes outside and he hangs up this little, like, wreath of some, like, wine berries. Just like, okay, I guess I'll decorate. It's really cute and sad. Um, Just these little tea berries. But then, you know, after he, like, shows Bando and is like, look how frightful has grown. Look at this. Bando rips out the scrapbook. Before his dad shows up, Bando shows him. Yeah, Vando pulls out the scrapbook of all the newspaper articles he's been collecting about this kid that lives in the fucking mountains. Wild boy loves to eat nuts, you know. Yeah, yeah, and he just keeps like he's. And I love this scene. I I I think I'm. I think I love Bando very much now that I'm an adult. I'm like, oh wow, that's that's just I love him. He sits down. He gets out his pipe and he opens his scrapbook. And I'm like, oh, I'm so happy for you. You know exactly what you're about, Bando. I love you, but. The the pipe and the scrapbook combo. But yeah, he, he's just like, oh, no, it's a very nice scene because Sam keeps interrupting and being like, that's not true. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm doing. And Bando's yep. like, can I finish reading? Can I please finish reading he, the he article? Like, maybe? He takes a fucking hit off of his pipe and then he's like, you ready to listen? 
which is mm-hmm. such a fucking adult move, but also yep. a valid one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's a professor, oh, yeah. too, so he's very he's much like... Rambunctious. Mm-hmm. Professor, professor Bando. Bando. He's still calling him Thoreau. Mm. A man of my dreams. Yeah, and he still calls him Thoreau. I think something that's very fun is that even when Bando figures out his actual name once it's in the paper, mm-hmm. he still calls mm-hmm. him Thoreau. And that's very... I love Bando. Oh, he's very good. And then, you know, he goes, Thoreau, I could, I could hardly drag myself away mm-hmm. from the newspapers to come up here. But now I just want to hang out Christmas break with you. And and Sam throws more wood on the fire and he gets the willow whistles and they have a good time. And then he gives Bando his presents because he made presents for Bando. Bando. That's so fucking cute. I can't. I wish they said what he made because I just want to know. I want to know. I feel like moccasins. Don't you remember moccasins? I even went back. I feel like moccasins. I thought. He must have made probably like something practical that Bando could still use in society, like moccasins or maybe gloves. Mm. I was also thinking like rabbit mittens, maybe like, but they didn't actually say what his presents were. I wanted to know so badly. (laughs) Uh, But he, again, with the eyebrow language, like I could tell that he was really pleased by his eyebrows because they went up and down and in and out. And I'm just like, oh my God, I I'm know, just imagining so these like, caterpillar brows on this I... beautiful man. Mm. And after he gives Bando the presents is when his dad mm-hmm. just yells. And his dad's like, if you didn't reply, I would have assumed you were dead, but you know, you did. So here I am. You know, you could have not replied and I wouldn't have known where to find you, but you did. Mm-hmm. So here we are. And it is the most sweet Christmas. This is the most... This book did it really fucking well. Jean Craig had George knew exactly what she was doing of giving you these snippets of human companionship and everything and then making this Christmas scene. This Christmas it's scene so is the fucking good. bit. This is the turning point. Also, the way Sam gets into, now I know how my mom feels when guests come over because I'm so excited for them to visit. I've decorated. I know exactly what I'm going to make and it's going to be so good and they're just going to be amazed. I'm going to really show them how great it is, right? And they do. They love it. The menu, the soup. When the Bando shows up, he's soup. like, "Oh, you have Ugh. silverware now," which is such a fun and lovely little compliment in this. Like, ah, look at look at how much you've made. Look at how how far you've come now, without being condescending. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yet it's still kind of funny. I love it. Yeah, yeah, because he hadn't. Yeah, because Sam had never thought to whittle forks before. Mm-hmm. He'd never thought to make like basic accoutrement for living but now it's just like oh all of this fucking wonderful shit of uh Mm -hmm. this beautiful christmas and he's like i bando and his dad get along just fine they're They're just like oh yeah i met the man who sired this wonderful boy or whatever and it's like yeah, dude, your son's great. I, I love it. Like they <laughs> like, this dad is hand, like they do a strong handshake and then they pat each other on the backs. And yeah. it's just fucking, yeah. you know, very, the 50s man handshake. I, the 50s man greeting. The 50s, exactly. Like you can just see him exactly. in the two big slacks. I love you know? all of the little details here of like they wash their bowls out in the snow their turtle shell bowls Mm -hmm. out in the snow after every meal they uh you know his dad's like this is better than at the waldorf i love how very new york they get super new york sentiment uh boy does he love turtles and frogs 
I've heard turtle soup is incredibly delicious. Is it? Turtles and frogs are way more delicious than you ever think. And frankly, it is an insult that we don't. Yeah, sure. When I (laughs) when I was a Go for it. I feel like I've told this story before, but my sister lied. My sister lied to me when I was a child and we were in mm-hmm. North Carolina with this whole family vacation and she was she presented to me a, a plate of, of strange small looking meat and I was like, What is this? And she said it's a small jumping chicken. So I ate it and it was delicious and she was like, It's frog and I was like, Well, <laughs> that's what I get. Right? That's what I get. Why did yeah. I why did I trust you? Yeah, I should know better. Uh, frankly should. But frogs is delicious. And then when I was in Michigan doing a survival program, we saw uh, that we found a turtle that had been hit by a car. And when we mm-hmm. um, went to go yeah. eat it, we went to prepare it and skin it and everything. We found oh. that it had it was full of eggs. So we hard boiled the eggs and we made a hard boiled egg turtle soup. That's and insane. It was so fucking Holy good. <laughs> like rich and delicious and it was just like not a thing went to waste ate it out of the shell great incredible oh highly recommend turtles as food so to be to be a donor i get really sad i i've heard it's delicious i agree it's delicious i just get really sad when turtles die because they're so long lived that's the only thing that but that but i like i like the roadkill thing yeah yeah uh but yeah they they even get out the willow whistles again to like yeah what was it when they they spend the night like doing whatever and then they're at the end they're like we wanted to do like jazz but in the end we just did a slowed version of taps before falling asleep which yeah i love that so that was the bit where i could just i could hear it in my head i could see it clearly that entire night of just three people bundled up in this this small tree home just tooting tooting. (laughs) hearing taps on the tiny whistle toot toot yeah (laughs) oh god i love it i love it and sam wakes up first he's still like he he's finding so much joy Mm -hmm. in taking care of people he's finding so much joy in hunting early and providing fish and you know bando makes do with just smothering these flat uh acorn pancakes with as much jam as they can possibly pile on right whereas his dad's like yeah i'll take Mm -hmm. the fish but it's just it's this is such a genuinely heartwarming loving scene this christmas time and yeah, his father leaves uh, at around New Year's and said, you know, I told your mom I'd be back like a few days ago, but you know, whatever. Good thing she knows me. Haha. <laughs> Which is like, mm, all right, guys. <laughs> yeah. And all right, then, dudes. Uh, uh, yeah. Bando stays a bit longer until he has to leave, I think. Right. Or no, Bando had to leave oh, two yeah. or three days after he Christmas. Had he had grade. papers to grade, and he looked. He he started off reluctantly one morning, looking very unhappy about the way yeah. of life that he had chosen. But he basically says, "Look, if the newspapers start getting too hot on your trail, I'll throw him a bum steer. I'll let will make him go another way." Like it was that's, very that's cute. Really I loved sweet. it so That was much. so nice to I, me. I mean, even then, he said, "All boys dream of running away and living off the land." You're just you're just gutsy enough to actually yeah. do it, which is very cute. It's a very cute sentiment and friendship between them. There, yeah. And there's another tiny little bit that maybe I think too much about, but too much into. But when his dad leaves, he leaves with a very solid like finality, and then he comes back. And he just looks at his son again and says, you've done really well. Also, I've decided to go another way so nobody yeah. can follow my tracks oh. and find you. And he just, 
which is just <laughs> really, really cute nice. that he's like, yeah, son, I'll, I'll keep your secret. Well, I'm going to jump over these rocks so I won't leave a footpath, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. The choices. And then the ch- it just ends with like, that's the last I saw of my yep. dad for a really long time. Like, that was it. They continue the winter. He starts feeding deer for a while. Love it. Right? And uh, they notice an owl. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, or mm-hmm. or long time ago, he noticed an owl. And now he knows that the owls have eggs. And he's like, spring is coming. Woo! Very thrilled about uh, having anything around. He gets so fucking yeah. lonely. He cuts down twigs for the deer. He's... So people would be there. Yeah. Like, pardon. Sam, you're having a you're having a problem. You're, you're you're having a mental break, my dude. You miss people. That's okay. Oh, the owl thing is also very very interesting um, because so he's been keeping a calendar by just cutting mm-hmm. little slashes on these aspen poles outside, uh, and so he starts even telling time. I really appreciate this about this book is he starts telling time not so much by the way that we're used to, but he's like mm-hmm. on the fifth slash of June, on. All of it, like it's very cute and interesting, but the the owls, great horned owls, are the earliest breeding owl species, and they breed. They start uh, mm. producing eggs at around February, so it really is just like the first mark of spring because it's still fucking cold. Uh, but February is around the time, so it truly is like that's when the mm-hmm. fiddlehead ferns start appearing too. Just all of these little things just start slowly poking oh. out of the snow, and it is just. I can only imagine the joy of just like, oh my god, there's Never greenery. Eaten a fiddlehead fern. Love Fuck. A oh, by the way, throughout when they do comment, incredible. Sam does comment on how the Baron looks like shit late in the the fall, and then he's like beautiful winter, beautiful winter. He looks coat, moldy. Though. He's still a little asshole, and then he like leaves for a while because he gets tired of Sam's bullshit and wants to just be be not cold somewhere yeah. else. And uh, you know, it, it really is an interesting contrast between frightful and then the Baron yep. and even Jesse C. James of just like. There are these other animals mm-hmm. just doing their own fucking thing. The only one that's actually participating in the same lifestyle as Sam yeah. is the one that was brought into it with Sam. Yeah. Forced into it, basically. Uh, but he even mentions, he's like, I always trade out the lure when he was training her. I trade out the lure mm-hmm. or trade out the food she catches with the lure because I and knew that if she knows that she could catch wild game, yeah. she wouldn't come back to me again. Yeah. Which is like, Ooh. that is how that happens. And yeah, buddy, fucked up. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. He, uh, mm-hmm. so he starts, also, yep. he went out there, like, mid-spring. So he's, he's coming on, mid to late spring is when Sam first went out there and started making his thing, right? Like, maybe early summer. Yeah. So he's almost a full year yeah. in the wilderness at this point. He has considerably expanded his thing. And it, it, it does like evolve away from survivalism because he makes this homestead and because he starts doing these things and making his mark on yep. the land and not caring so much about it when he makes all the snowmen when he when he makes a second yep. tree when his dad and and bando are there or or is that later later on he burns out he burns it's out later and, but he's like yeah. yeah let's make a guest tree let's make another let's make another a guest let's do tree. it let's make a few yeah. and he starts realizing oh I'm making, I want a community here. I'm enjoying this a lot, uh, but not in the yeah. way that I originally wanted to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a really important thing. And it's just like, eventually, so towards the spring, 
he has a kid jacket, stumble jacket upon him, him in the woods. Right? Oh, no, no. It's, oh, that's No, right. it's not Was Jacket. It? It's a different kid. Jacket's named Tom. This kid's Matt named Spell. Matt. I know. I just, they're all just fucking... You know, they're just fucking 50s kids. They're all just fucking... No, you're good. Milk 7-Up commercial 50s kids. stars. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. I Honestly, when I was a kid, I thought that Matt and Jacket were the same person. And only rereading it now was I like, two, two different guys? Two different guys. But... Matt, this kid Matt finds him and he's like 13 and he's shivering in the woods. And I was like, I just want to be a reporter. And I heard stories about a boy in the woods. And he's like, uh, let me feed you all this fake information. He's he like, has, yeah, he wears a also, dumb, stupid hat with all these He has on his shoulder and he's like, oh, let me get you some lunch. And he gets fright, he shows off and gets frightful to catch a rabbit and cooks it for him then and there on a fucking fire right? that he builds then and there. He's like, no big deal. <laughs> anyway, I don't know anything about this wilderness boy you've been looking for <laughs> no i just i just come out here to train my falcon eyes. at the old family farm <laughs> like <laughs> yeah weird weird this child i don't i've never heard of him anyway carry on feet on backwards the wilderness boy only speaks in teas <laughs> it's so fucking goofy and so stupid and he outright tells yep. matt his real name he never has to anyone else before but he just straight up mm -hmm. says my name's sam gribbley which is fucking buck wild and he's like oh gee sam tell me about this strange kid that lives in the woods if you've seen him matt, and he's like ah here's all this I fake information and then he, when he matt reads so, it he when he says that mm -hmm. i am like i have seen that boy i'm like sam you are desperate sam sam you're losing it sam buckaroo <laughs> Sam, this ain't it. This isn't what you did. Is this what you wanted? Are you learning, Sam? You're still 13, you shithead. Oh, God. And it's really fun because he gives this false information and Matt goes, let me read it back know, to you. And just so describes good. Sam oh. back to him. And Sam's like, like oh, oh, shit. <laughs> I fucked up. His means of support is a beautiful falcon. And, you know, we don't... But, but even when Matt's reading it back to him, he says, the boy's name is not known, but he ran away from home and never went back. And Sam goes, no, Matt, no. And he's like, look, if you let me come out here and live with you for a week, mm -hmm. I will publish the full article. I won't do that. But also, who's the 13-year-old punk that's just like, I'm going to get in the newspapers. I'm going to publish an article. Thing. I'm going to get my name in the Was papers. 13? I'm 13. He says he looked, he was nice looking he's about 13. 13 or 14, I would have said. Maybe he's older than he looks, and Sam is just like, I don't understand people no more. Maybe. Every every boy, every that adult could be it. He's like a high school like... student. <laughs> he only calls them boys. Shut the what? fuck up. Oh, shit. This is what I think. He's, he's <laughs> lost it. He only remembers one age, and that's his own. Matt's spell is, you know, one maybe age, Matt's spell is like 1920. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he could be. But what's nice about Matt is that he didn't necessarily come out here to be like, ah, the big hot take of the century. It's more just like, he's like, tell me about the plants. Tell me about what's going on out here. Everyone, like, I'm genuinely curious. Everyone runs into Sam is, is like enraptured. At least the, the like male presences in his life. Uh, people, everyone's like, whatever mm -hmm. about Sam. You know, the, the, the librarian helps him and understands what he's doing. Um, but all the men he runs into were like, teach me your ways. This is the, this is a romantic dream. You know what I mean? In the like adventure romance kind of sense. Yeah. This is a, this is a beautiful yeah. thing that's enthralling and I want to do it. And they all immediately want to stay for two weeks with Sam. And I love that. 
I would also do that, frankly. Yeah. Yes. But I, I just think it's a very nice, interesting, uh, like, world that, that like, the there there's something that's like, of course, this is very, like, beautiful. This is like a beauteous activity that everyone is, is uh, attracted to, you know? Right? Like... Yeah, that's why the rest, that's why there's still more books, right? Is there's mm-hmm. the strange romance of it all. There's, there's a lot to it. Uh, the books get fucking buck wild, by the way. Like, they only go harder. I love these books. But yeah, there's this, there's this beautiful sort of yeah. curiosity about it all of what, tell me about it. Even though he starts out the book by saying, like, mm-hmm. we're going to be othered. I'm going to be shunned. Like, anybody that's different in society, they'll try to weed yeah. you out. Like, they genuinely yeah. just say that. It's also... But then it's just like, no, there's, there's a curiosity, curiosity. And there's an innate desire to like share what you do with other people and share your space and your world with other people. Yeah. And uh, literally it goes, oh, yeah. the start of the ending, the start. He's like, I knew the end was coming and I'd be lo- I wouldn't be able to maintain this way of life anymore. I'd lose it. And at the start, it's this like, they're going to take away my nature. And by the end, he's like, I the way I cooperated in which I cooperate with the ending, because all of the chapter titles are like in which I find a lot of delicious plants in which I destroy my home yeah. with the Halloween. Which I you know? give way yeah. to spring. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting because he worded this article for Matt. He discusses it with Bando, makes it sound convincing without giving himself up and almost sends it to Matt. And then he doesn't. And this is where he mm-hmm. fucking goes insane. <laughs> this is where he just starts talking to Frightful, or more so, Frightful starts <laughs> talking to him. Because she outright says in his head, you really want to be found or you would not have fucking yeah. said everything okay. that you he, did. Sam t- explains his process, be- which he's developed over the winter, which he calls the it's forum. so much, which yes. Is- He's like, you know, I can maintain four or five people talking at once in my in my forum, but uh, any more than that, and it gets a little complicated, hard to keep track of. And I'm like, my guy, my dude, my friend, my buddy, what are you? He's like, I composed this letter with Bando. He helped me out in my head and in, in the forum. Uh, you Frightful yep. is there, but she doesn't usually have yep. much to say. And Frightful's like, hey, buddy, you're losing it. You're Sam, you're fucking losing it, dude. You're losing it. This this straight up sounds like DID. Like, dude's starting to get fractured personalities. Because he's like, Matt kept using untoward. I don't know where he got it, but yeah. he liked it and he kept using it. I'm like, he's in your head. You're Matt. All of these are just fragments of yourself. This... <laughs> Sam. Shit, what Sam? the fuck? Sam. <laughs> You're 13. You need Little League, Oh, my Sam. God. It's okay to need Little League. God, it's just because Frightful interrupts and basically just says, don't make Matt come back. He eats too much and I'm tired of hunting. And everybody just laughs at that and yeah. dissolves the forum. And he's just left with her alone in his head. And she's just like, you would not have shared that information mm-hmm. if it's not what you actually wanted. And he goes, I liked it better when you didn't Fucking talk. Fucking rude, and goes by the to way. Sleep. Sam, you're really going to talk shit to Frightful? Hey Sam, the one who has fed you, you you got you all those livers when you were vitamin C deficient. <laughs> Sam, excuse me, pardon me. Yeah, <laughs> it's vitamin C deficient in the winter, and all you needed was livers, and you just ate rabbit liver forever. And frightful has sustained you, and you're gonna talk to her that way. Look, I support strong, independent women, and he's fucking on thin ice. <laughs> 
Sam on Dribbler, notice. you might be 12, on but notice. you're on thin fucking ice, my right. dude. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then there's another beautiful human interaction with another dude uh, named Aaron, a fucking singer-songwriter oh, just wandering right. in the Catskills. My brain, ex- like, forgot about Aaron, but yes, Aaron! He's just like fucking humming to himself does he have his guitar i feel like he must have had his gu- he doesn't have he doesn't have his guitar but he says the next time he comes That's by he'll bring right. a portable organ which i'm an assuming accordion? is like i think it's an, an accordion, accordion. <laughs> yeah that's what i thought but sam's just taking a bath in the creek for the first time all winter like he's finally it's warm enough that he can take a bath in his spring and he hears this humming and he just teaches this guy his clean water song. Like he's got so many songs and shit. He's like, this is my fresh water song. And I thought that this part was so beautiful because Sam's like, oh, I didn't actually write that part. That part's from the birds. That part's from the chickadees. Mm-hmm. This one's a barn owl call. This one's a this. And he just shares all of these noises of the forest. He literally like, ta- he that, writes man? it down. Like this fucking he makes the line. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, dude. Yeah. If I ever, if I ever, you know, sell these songs, I'll come back to give you some credit or what, whatever he says, right? And doesn't he also make plans to show up? Yeah. Yeah, he says, hey, man, if you're around in the summer, I'll uh, I'll come by. Will you be around in the summer? And Sam goes, yeah. But he realizes that part of the reason he enjoys Aaron's company so much is because Aaron hadn't asked him a single personal question. Aaron was just like, yeah, man, like you're doing you out here and that's totally fine. Oh, God, it's so very nice. And then he just keeps hearing Frightful's words yeah, in his head of, like, you want mm, to be found. Weird. I I wanted to survive in the wilderness and just get by. And uh, now it's like I have an address and they might as well be sending me mail. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he and Aaron just literally fall asleep, mm-hmm. like, next to each other in the woods. Mm-hmm. But when he wakes up, Aaron's gone and has moved on. And Frightful's circling. And he just lies there for a while longer. And he had a thought and he was like, wait, Aaron said he's going to be up here for Passover, which means Easter's happening, which means Matt would be coming soon. And he realizes he hasn't been keeping track of time Ooh, for weeks. Sam. He fucking s- stopped making notches on his calendar, which to me, that one sentence fucking is scary. That coupled with his like giving frightful uh, a voice and his mental forums look, with himself is just a clear showcase cute, into like they were dudes also a it. bit disconcerting with how he's just like this is the chi-, just a strain he's like this is the chickadee song kikari kikari i i imagine i didn't imagine him just taking the sounds i imagined these being songs that he had been singing to himself for months and that he just kind of was like i'm having hmm. <laughs> just like let me tell you all of the things I've been doing. Yes, of course. Yes, it is this, it is that. Let me share with you all of my songs. This is the first bath song, you know? Which... Yeah. Interesting. I... Because I have a completely mm-hmm. different experience. I didn't take it that way. Because to me, it is very much like the... I think... Just, this is... These are the sounds of the forest. And this is what I, you know, you come to know and recognize. And I feel like everybody that goes to dwell in the woods has to be a little bit insane in some way because it's just straight up like you're literally just saying, I would like to get devoured by mosquitoes, potentially get lime just to chill out next to this creek and watch a deer go by sometimes. Like it's not, I don't know, sane within the confines of what we're used to. But 
I say some weird shit. No, there is often, there is definitely charm and, to it uh, and beauty you know? to it, but it's also like, hmm, Sam, buddy, this is not. This is it's you're having of that, some issues. Yeah. You're definitely your brain's in a different place, Sam. You're 13. So you're 13, my dude. Like, holy shit. Look, like, imagine someone being shit. like, I'm humming the sound of the brown thrasher and barometer, the nuthatcher. Like, that's just, that's a lot of different words that are coming at me in my brain for me to accept. Right? That's fine. That's good. Yeah. That is why my, my favorite party <laughs> trick is barred owl noises. Anyway, but yeah, he there's definitely there's definitely a lot of concern in this bit with Aaron, yeah. as cute and charming as it is. It's like it's very mm, cute. It's, you're, it's just, you're not doing yeah. well, clearly. You can see, and you can see the like degradation from his interactions with Miss Turner, the librarian, at the start to like his introduction to Jacket, who he doesn't bother to learn the name of, but is just like you know, the guy I've made a friend, Jacket. I I enjoy Mister Jacket quite a bit. Anyway. I just walked into town with yeah. my cloak and hmm, yeah, to to Aaron and him being like tunes are free here. I le- let me sing for you the high chickadee song. Let me sing for you. Let me boom out the song of the great horned owl. You know, very yeah. And after Aaron, he goes and meets up with Matt, and he teaches Matt over the next week, fishing, hunting, trapping. Matt eats a lot. And then um, after a little while, uh, mm-hmm. that's when Bando shows up and they make a guest house because Bando's like, you need more room yeah. here if people are going to be visiting you. Let's make some more room. And Matt eventually also gives him this little interview of like, why are you really here? But also he tells yep. him like the news of what's <laughs> going on in Europe and the East and trouble in the South and all of this. And and Sam's just like, people live too close together. That's my point. And he's like, is that why you're here? And Sam's like, no, I'm here because I want to be independent. And he's like, well, that's not, you know, there's more to it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He says, well, what are you, doesn't he say he wanted to like, he tried to run away from home sometime too, or whatever. Right. He's like, I tried to run away once. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what did you want? Let me, uh. The bit about Everest. Uh, the main reason I don't like to be dependent on electricity, rails, steam, oil, coal machines is that all those yeah. things can go wrong. Yeah. We're... Well, is that why you're up here? No. <sighs> Matt, Matt just keeps driving at the point of why yeah, are, you are you up doing? here? Why, why are what you up here? What compelled you to come here? And uh, he says, well, I don't like relying on all this stuff. I don't like doing this. I don't like doing that. Which is interesting because the the... I'm going to make it on my own has always been strong, but it was always out of like a desire for independence from the start. Right. Like there's this, this frustration Mm -hmm. with the world and the busyness of New York and where he lived and being overcrowded with his eight siblings and two parents. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but, but he wanted the peace, the quiet, the opposite of that. But now it's definitely devolved away from that. And he starts saying, well, no, I can't, machines those things fail if i can do it myself i can do anything myself right like there's there's it's an interesting Mm -hmm. evolution for him and what he sees is why he's out here because the the connections he desires now have kind of warped the the immaturity or whatever yeah and there's even yeah yeah, and there's this discussion of Matt going, like, don't you get lonely? And Sam's like, lonely? I've hardly had a quiet moment since I got here. 
Like, stop being a reporter, mm-hmm. chill, let's eat, because there's people in the city that are even more lonely yeah. than I am. Yeah, he does say that. <laughs> and you're not wrong, Sam. It's just a different kind of loneliness, because there's different kinds of experiences on opposite sides of that. That's and that's true. that's valid. I mean, in the in the truest, most, you know, funny of ways, right? Like... <laughs> you're matt and i'm sam right now i'm just like yeah of course i want to fucking run away to the woods but i still want the companionship of someone who doesn't necessarily want to live in the woods and rough it and be covered in mud every day because that's what people are is that everybody has deserves the opportunity to figure out what their comfort and what they want to rely on is and that doesn't make any one of our lives any less meaningful just because you know you or my mom prefer having like running water yeah (laughs) and i also prefer running water but when i don't have it for about a month i immediately (laughs) forget about it yeah i genuinely do yeah that is the thing that happens once you once you lose those kinds of conveniences you're just like oh sure yeah you just find other ways you get used to it very quickly yeah uh yeah i think anybody's capable of that but i think it's also super valid for people to say i don't want uh, that my sister and I have tried dragging my mom camping so many times and it just doesn't work because she wants her conveniences. And I yeah. think that that's fine. They exist for a reason. And people I don't hate it the concept of camping, but I've never gone camping or had like decent camping things. The things I the thing I would hate to leave most is not so much like water or supply things like that, because you can just bring those, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's literally just, I guess, because I've become such a fucking miserable sleeper i want to like have my my uh mattress like want to sleep in a in a enclosed dark space yeah no i i get that i think yeah i uh, empathize with that a lot definitely the biggest thing that i started to miss when i was in the woods was like a good night's sleep i never get a good night's sleep so eventually you reach this point where your exhaustion and physical like pain just supersedes everything so you'll just fall i just started falling asleep under tables yeah yeah i've slept in a lot of stupid places yeah boy the back, God, hurt, my back hurt though yeah uh... <laughs> that's that's the bit right uh, but yeah so he makes friends with matt and bando who come and do these guest houses and then uh Jacket comes back and, like, hangs out with him and visits him, like, basically every weekend and tells him stories of the things he'd been doing in school and stuff like that. And Sam notices that his journal, even, his diary that he's been writing on on uh, Bark and things, uh, they're just repeating the stories that that he had told him, and his name is Tom, that Tom had told him about school about the broken water line, about baseball games. And it's just another, like, really sweet thing where he values this connection so much that, uh, like, now that he has done the setup and it's not only survival all the time and he has the free time to, like, have other thoughts and occupy other things, he yearns for that connection. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even so with Mr. Jacket, Tom, he gives suggestions on how to make the acorn flower better, thicken it up with this smashed thing, use some root in this. Like, oh, yeah, he's he wants to pass on his skills like he wants to teach and engage with people on this thing that he loves and has developed so much, you know? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And like, it's, it's so interesting. And at this exact time, when there's more and more people coming by, yeah. when he realizes that he's making his little clearing mm-hmm. of, of hemlocks into a sort of city, mm-hmm. that's when Mr. Uh, when the Baron disappears. That's when the Baron finally dips and is just like, I'm gone. Too many people. There is this super dramatic, like, mm, guess the wilderness is leaving me now. Like right after he mentions that Bando, or not Bando, uh, would love for Baron to also be a Bando. And they're just like, yeah, we both have the same yep. name. Don't worry about it. Um, but anyway, Bando is like, or he tells Bando, seems I have an address now. Bando's like, what? Is it Broadway <laughs> and 42nd Street? Which I think is a very fun way to poke at it. And he goes, oh, Sam goes, almost. Which, boy, buddy, come, mm-hmm. you've had four visitors. <laughs> you've had four whole visitors. Uh, it's yeah. not fucking Broadway. <laughs> yeah. But he then he, but then Sam goes, it's okay, Bando. Maybe you better bring me a shirt and some blue jeans next time you come. If they haven't yeah. sold that house in town, maybe Tom and I could slide down the laundry chute. But then there's this really poignant bit of Bando turning over this willow whistle in his hands, but not playing it. <laughs> the sad it. whistle, not playing it. The music is gone. The natural wonder. Yeah. The mystery. Yeah. I I think that this is a this is a genuine thing that everybody that wishes to li- dwell in the woods goes through, though. Is there's there's this stark and important independence of this beauty of being alone. And then mm-hmm. when your need for socialization mm-hmm. hits, it'll hit you really hard. And it's yeah. something that everybody that goes alone into the woods does have to happen to them in their own time. Because we're social creatures. We are. And mm-hmm. that loneliness, like, to me, to me, it was this two months without turning on my phone. Just complete emptiness and being like, I don't need anything. The anxiety of how many unread messages I had, gone. Nothing. Nothing overtook me. And then I had, like, you know, just this wild thing. And all I remember thinking is, I just want to tell people about it. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to talk to someone about this stupid bug that I found. Like, I just mm-hmm. want to tell people about this dumb shit I pulled. And everybody that's here and saw it, you know, on my day off, there's like one other person that I spoke to today, but they've, they're also mostly a hermit and we just kind of exchanged pleasantries and went on. But I want connection. I miss that connection. And it does feel a little bit like, like letting go of, of your independence, but it's just mm. coming to terms with a different aspect of what that means. And Man, like that that's just a harsh lesson of like that's that doesn't mm-hmm. make that that doesn't make your your connection any less meaningful just because you'd really like to see your mom and dad, Sam. Just because you're a kid and you really <laughs> like to have your family back with you doesn't mean you didn't just create you something important. Just because you miss baseball doesn't mean you aren't Yeah. You aren't independent, Sam. It doesn't mean you've lost all the wilderness and stuff like that, Sam. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, you're living inside of a tree. <sighs> Is that not enough for you anymore, Sam? I guess it's not. I guess that's the point. Yeah, it's not. That is, yeah, that is the point. But then the, the basically the book just wraps up with like he hears his dad coming up uh, one day who hollers <laughs> at him. Yep. And uh, so does everyone else in his family. They're all coming up and uh, they're going to build a house because his mom got tired of being called an inept mother in the papers. Yeah, saying that they that she's like, no, I have to take care of you at least until you're 18. So people stop talking shit and saying that I'm a terrible mother who doesn't do anything for you. And I must have ruined something because uh, 
You yep. live out here in the woods fully sufficient. Yep. Which is a wild time. But also they're like, he's like, I'm going to build a house, right? Like he, he immediately fully abandons the way Sam wanted things to run in this like embracing yeah. of all of the society or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's such a wild ending. I think it's I think it's cute and I liked it, but at the same time I was like, boy, that sure just is like, yeah, but we're going to build a house here, so don't. And Sam is immediately like, why are we building a house here? I very specifically don't want didn't want to be a house. Yeah, but it ends in a really weird, bittersweet kind of way, and I really enjoy yeah. that about it. Is uh, yeah, I think that that's that's what the feeling is. That's the feeling I had every summer I came back, and that's the terrible nostalgia mm-hmm. that I harbor to this day. Is just like I, when I panic, I want to hit the woods. I want to disappear. I want to cut all ties. <laughs> and then when inevitably that sinking, wonderful, worming feeling comes back of like, yeah, but you really want to mo- watch a movie with your friends. Then I'm like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. ready to go back into civilization, but. That's what it feels is like. It feels like opposite ends of a spectrum and mm-hmm. it's like waffling between one and the other. But finding that middle ground is really, really, really difficult. But that's what it feels like, right? Is that there's just, it's one way or the other. And I think as mm-hmm. the books go on and as the, as Gene Crick and George wrote on, it became a lot less of that harsh line of civilization mm-hmm. and nature. It ended yeah. up becoming like this shit. There's so much more to this. It's a very gray area. I mean, I'm excited. When do you think we'll do this? Was this was your pick? When do you think we'll do the sequel? I mean, maybe sometime in the summer we can do the far side of the mm-hmm. mountain. Give it a solid amount of time. We'll There's do that a, in the summer. Yeah. There's some. Look, I read the the preview <laughs> chapter that came in the end of my book, and oh my god. There's just this total douchebag who's like, I should put you away for a year, right? Because you're for, harboring for... an endangered species. Oh my sure god, is, it's sure a lot. Is what sure is a uh, colonization, truly. But yeah, sure thanks is. for reading anyway. this like pinnacle book yeah. of my childhood and of me as a person. Oh, I had such a good time. <laughs> and it, it literally is just like, mm, yes, I see. Mm, this explains mm, so much mm. about me. Yeah, it's one of even the illustrations of of the hooks and things like that. I'm like, yes, of course, this is the one. This is the thing that planted the seed. Mm-hmm. This was the thing that planted the seed. This is this was literally the start to it all. And now mm-hmm. I just now you just got to read one book by Tom Brown now Jr. I gotta hear about fucking brain tanning and, on yeah. the reg. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta I gotta actually do it. Uh, this is my bad. I've got three mice in the freezer. I might as well fuck around with. You should. Yeah. You should. Anyway. Yeah. Shit. Anyway, this was yeah. a great time. Thanks for joining us. Thanks Thank for listening. You. Yeah, uh, I appreciate yeah. you being here. Yeah, thanks for joining us on this adventure into my brain, my defining, my defining childhood. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone! Thanks for joining us. We hope you had as good of a time as we did. First off, we'd like to thank Jean Craighead George and publisher E.P. Dutton for taking us on this wild adventure into the woods. If you'd like to get your own copy of My Side of the Mountain, you can find a link to buy it in the episode footnotes. We'd also like to thank our friend Matt for making our intro and outro music. You can find him at Nice Wizard Music on Twitter. Check him out. Hit him up. Make him slap the bass. 
And, of course, if you'd like to send us comments and get updates on episode releases, you can follow the Lit Kid Lit Twitter at LitKidPod. Or, if you'd like to follow us individually, you can follow me, Kara, at Bishojo World, or Nika at Gossamer Owl. That's Bishojo with a U and Gossamer with two S's. You can also email us at LitKidLitPod at gmail.com. You know, it's a, it's a good classic Gmail. All right, <laughs> bye! bye. I don't get any of these references. (laughs) Now, man, I love having one time, one time in my life where I can just spout a bunch of nonsense and have you not understand a thing instead of me being the fool. (laughs) Instead of me being Booba the Fool sitting here saying, what the fuck is Kara talking about? Who is this? Uh, The Sacred Order, it's what you need by necessity and we would teach this little thing to our our kids Mm -hmm. shelter water fire food that's the sacred order dude fucking get that into their heads and that's what you need we just spent all day just talking while just stretching this fucking hide all day until our arms wanted to fall off that's just what you do for fun (laughs) i hope you understand audience why this book is so clearly Guys, I'm out of my depth here. I don't know what's going on. She won't stop talking about tanning hides. I don't. <laughs> we're, we're all adults. We're always out here in the Catskills. I saw, I saw a strange character oh, in a nice jacket. Fuck. Seemed to be an English professor of some sorts. About a uh, thirteen, fourteen. <laughs> my father came by, a regular ninth grader. 